This is a big-timing comedy production. Welcome backstage. Uh, I'm here to interview Black Sabbath. I'm a journalist. VIP only. Groupies sleep with rock stars because they want to be near someone famous. We're here because of the music. We are bandits. Are you jumping or am I undermedicated? You're listening to Backstage Pass with Meredith Marks. I'm with the band, okay? Wow. First episode of Backstage Pass with Meredith Marks. Welcome aboard the tour bus, everybody. We are so glad to have you here. It's been 16 years in the making trying to get this show off the uh, off the ground, and now we're up and rolling. Officially, it's done. We are starting right now. So uh, welcome aboard. A couple of sponsors just to get those out of the way and, and talk about them. I've got CassieDentonPhoto.com. Cassie Denton photography on Facebook and uh, she took some photos of my kids and I and my dog last night. My dog was very ill-behaved and she was very patient, which shows a lot about her. So if you want to see them, you can go to to Cassie Denton Photography on Facebook and uh, check her out. If you mention Backstage Pass, she will give you 10% off of your entire photo shoot. So thanks, Cass. We appreciate it. Also, Nectar Sunglasses. I believe the term now is they are pollinating your face. Right, Mike? So I've heard. I think that's the plan. So Nectar Sunglasses, go visit them online. And uh, tonight from Security Boulevard in Woodlawn, Maryland, Salsa Grill is going to be sponsoring Do Amazing Paella, Spinach Pies. I think I had that for lunch. Met the dad, had a little lunch there. So... There you go, sponsoring Backstage Pass with Meredith Marks tonight. Just want to give you guys a little history of, of why I wanted to start this show. I was born into a musical family and grew up backstage at various venues around the Baltimore area and um, wanted to give the average listener a glimpse into what it's like to be on tour, what it's like to be backstage. And the person to help me kick this off, like the perfect person, because he's only like in 50 million bands. And you know, I have to tell you, the Baltimore music scene, Mike, this is Mike, my producer, by the way. Hi, everybody. Hey. The Baltimore music scene, by the way, is very much like radio, where you don't want to burn any bridges because you never know who you're going to work with. And this guy sitting on the couch next to me, he works with a lot of people. He's like intertwined. So please... Help me welcome to the Backstage Pass couch, Dave DeMarco. <laughs> Golf clap. Hello. Hello, Clarice. Dave, we are so excited to have you here. I can feel it in the air. You feel it, right? I feel it. Yes. Mm. You are the base god of Baltimore. I mean, Dear right god. here in the flesh, you are the the main of Baltimore. Everybody really, I mean, they, they go, look, it's it's hair man. <laughs> By the way, Dave DeMarco's main is sponsoring our show tonight too. That's right. 
I told everybody later I would touch it for them just to give everybody a feel. So crack the sky, several species. Yes. Dave DeMarco band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 50 million other projects that you work on. 50 million. That is the exact number. I mean, it's a lot. Well, it's more like seven. Is that it? Really? It's really just about seven. Wow. Maybe eight. Well, I mean, you have to... I just lost something. I, I, oh, we're back. We're back. We're hey. back. Okay. okay. So, you, I mean, you, you're like, but you're like an in, you know, demand musician because everybody wants a piece of you. There's only so much Dave to go around. So how do you find the time to do it? Well, let's dispel one rumor. Not everybody. Some. Oh, most. Some. Most. A few. <laughs> a few. Um. You know, everybody is those who those who are in need um, get in touch, and it always just seems to work out somehow. Um, it's not that challenging. Do you have a hard time saying no? I mean, no. do you want to make everybody happy, and you kind of like, or or there are a lot of projects that you have to turn down just because you just can't do it all. There are some that I turned down. Sure, um, I had something fall into my lap the other day, and it just wasn't going to work out. Um, and every, you know, when I would, it's not like I'm getting, you know, 20 offers a week or anything. Um, and I think a lot of, I, I certainly don't get as many offers as I used to. And I think part of that reason, I'm guessing part of that reason is because people think, ah, he's too busy and he's, he's not going to be available anyway. So let's just call some other people. And I mean, I've had that from people, which where, is really that's bad because you because you want him, you want to go for him. <laughs> well, it's you know, and, and I understand that if you if you need to make a decision quickly and you're coming up with that list of people, sure, then you think ah, forget about Demarco, he's probably busy. And sometimes they might be right about that. Other times, I've had folks um, who say, well, I'll give you there's a, there's a band that I've just recently joined, and when we were talking about it, they were like, geez, I. I never we'd even have thought to ask you because we just assumed you would be too busy and then you know come to find out that not only was I not too busy for it but it was something I could easily make fit into my schedule so um can you announce what that is oh, or do sure. you need to keep it hush no I mean it's it's cool I mean it's been on the Facebook that I the Facebook <laughs> um that I've been playing with them it's a band called the real geniuses and it's they've been around almost maybe maybe 20 years now uh, kind of a corporate party rock kind of band, nice. and um, the official announcement hasn't been made yet. They're uh, they're like an agency band, and so we have to do like new pictures and new video and do all that. But uh, absent that, yeah, we can talk about it. I'm playing with them tomorrow night somewhere in Alexandria, and uh, so but it fits in. It's maybe three four gigs a month, but uh, it's it's fun stuff. So how often are you playing? with Crack the Sky? Crack the Sky does maybe 10 to 12 gigs a year. I think last year, last year was a busy year. I think we ended up somewhere 14, 15, 16 gigs, which for us is is a busy year um, because we don't play a lot and the shows we do tend to be bigger shows that we try to make events. So it's not like we can go do bars and things like that. And Species is year round as well, right? Yeah, but that that band is so easy to fit into the schedule because max what are we talking four or five four or five maybe a year 
Um, this year, I think it's only going to end up being three. Yeah. So that's super easy to fit in. And the gigs are booked far enough in advance that it's it's very easy to book everything around it. That's a fun rehearsal, though, right? It that, is. A, because that's a Pink Floyd tribute band, if you guys didn't know. And, well, Mike and I were sitting here grinning because because that's like our band. We love Pink Floyd. <laughs> well, and then there's rehearsal time. <laughs> you know, it's an ambitious band and we do a lot of we do a lot of ambitious stuff like playing full albums all the way through or, and you know, last year we did three albums all the way through, Dark Side of the Moon, Animals and Wish You Were Here. And that takes a bit of putting together. So yeah, it, it is a somewhat rehearsal intensive band. And uh you know, you you would expect it with something like that. I've tried to rub elbows a little bit and push for Division Bell. I'm I'm still hoping. F- yeah. What? Why are you laughing for? Because I'm with you. Okay, good. It could happen. Come it, on, I'm gonna do a little rub here. Okay. It could, it could happen. Division Bell. It could. Should we just chant it? Division Bell. Division Bell. Division Bell. Now, when it was the, uh, I guess it would have been like the 30th anniversary of that record a couple of years, maybe a year or two ago. We did a couple songs off the record. Um, Such a good record. It is. It really it's is. Really, it's a strong record. Yeah, that could absolutely happen. I mean, you know, we're, we're cycling through the albums as it is, so. But anything that you do, any album that you choose, you can't go wrong. Because just to give people, to paint a picture here that haven't seen several species. I mean, the production alone is incredible. And you add the sound is always great. And then watching you guys on stage, it's like art coming to life. Any album you choose, you just, you can't go wrong with Floyd. I don't think you can. No. I th- here's no. the thing. I think that if we were to do something like Saucer Full of Secrets or Piper at the Gates of Dawn, I think we might, be stretching it that might be carrying the joke a little too far um as maybe much as, a bit because but, there yeah. are you know there's some diehard fans that would be like oh my god they're fun i can't believe it you know i believe they called that the deep cut set yeah yeah yes. once but i mean there's going to be a lot of people going oh my god i don't know this what is this oh my god first of all if you have anybody <laughs> talking like that out of pink floyd Trivia band concert, shake, kick them out. Well, you never, you'd be surprised. Say goodbye. She needs to see the crowd where we're going we, Saturday. Yeah. Oh, my oh God. no. Oh my God. Oh <laughs> no. That you're going to Ohio. We're going to Ohio, Garrettsville, Ohio. Oh man. And it is. Let me let me try to paint a picture of this for you. Okay. Okay. So we've all paint been to, we've we've all been to outdoor festivals and multi band shows and all that. Great. It starts there, but now you have people who are coming from hither and yon to camp at this thing and they bring their kids and and I mean this with the utmost respect um, I don't even know how to say it without I mean are we talking <laughs> RV campers oh, yeah. or are we talking like tents Both. yes yes and, with the kids and not current RVs we're talking about hey we gotta go to we gotta go to Nelson Ledges we need a new RV let's see what we can get down at the corner lot for 600 bucks kind of RV check Craigslist (laughs) so these things show up and God bless them these people come out of them and here's the thing you don't even really understand the scope of the crowd because you'll see people milling about doing stuff buying you know new patchouli or buying uh, a new hacky sack or doing something like that got the hippies there just a bit 
and <laughs> and you see them and you you, you kind of suss it out and go great okay cool yeah man it's probably about 600 people here cool right on and then the light the night that we play we always headline saturday so the lights go down we're getting set up we're getting ready to play and all that and we just start seeing people coming in from the trees kind of like do you remember the japanese tsunami like footage tree tree people do you remember this the footage of the tsunami from the from japan a couple of years ago sure. and you would just see the water slowly trickle in yes it's and then creepy. you get a feel for and then you go oh my god look at this and you see cars start floating that's what happens people just start coming and coming undulating wow. waves of people start coming and then before you know it you're looking at 3,000 people they're 3,000 3, people who have not had a shower since they left home whenever it was Wednesday. yeah I was going to say yeah I mean this isn't glamping if this is camping no this is these people smell do you get a whiff of that like in the no because the patchouli and the yeah, herb two plenty of other things going on. yeah <laughs> Patchouli and herb washes every. It, it's it's kind of like uh, a a Mister Clean vortex of sanitation. And that, depending on the weather, you still have the quarry to dip into. That's right. Mm. <laughs> so now there's that. Yeah. Now, if you want to to get a real feel for what's going on at this place, you can kind of go into the bowels of this place. So you know that they're coming from the trees. There's like a path around the quarry that you can go in, and you go back there and you see that oh, there's people camping. But there's DJ booths set up with generators and things built into the trees, homes, makeshift living things, and cooking. Not, and I'm not talking Parks about... there all year round. I'm not talking Who's about, you? like, you know, Bunsen <laughs> burner. I'm talking, like, people bring in major things to be there. It's like a modern-day Woodstock. It is. In the woods. In the woods. Yep. Truly in With the woods. With tree people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tree people. They get cars back there somehow. I don't know. But, I mean, and I'm talking massive DJ. With lights and and a stage and You would in think the that woods. these tree people wouldn't love that. You would think that they would want to keep with the, hey, man, vibe. No, they They're have, going techno. No, they have absolutely embraced all that. They love it. And, wow. And you go back there and you're just like... It, it, there's a subculture back there. I mean, is there. this like Glow Stick City? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. And after the show, fireworks. Yeah, fireworks and mud. And 80s. And... There should not be mud this year. The weather's looking mating good Mating calls, so lots of mating calls. I'm sure, plenty. Sounds in the woods from these tree people mm. and their children. It's And I will say this. Some oh. of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. They are wonderful, absolutely just... Salt of the earth, great people. One hundred percent. Some talented hula hoop ladies. Yep. That have armpit hair down to their ass. Absolutely. Some. Wow. Some. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. What are you doing? I like weekend? that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me very well, Mike. I'm not a camping girl. I'm not. I'm not even a glamping girl. I'm not sure if I can hang. I'm more of a backstage girl. I can go hang backstage. That's, There's a little that. bit of backstage there. Yeah. yeah. I think the backstage lasted until like four in the morning uh -huh. last time. And I'm just like... Or later. I'm, my brother's usually up all night. When Unreal. It's, when it's done, I'm kind of ready to be done and out of there because you've been there all day and yeah. all this. And I'm just trying to get out of there and get back to the hotel. And my ride was with somebody else. Mm. And I was waiting. Your ride was with the tree person? Mm-mm. Making wood sounds? 
Yeah. Mm, back in the green room. With I should have found a tree person. I should have. Um, you would have no problem finding a tree person, Dave. Yeah. I, I mean, can you they imagine? Will flock to you. And then that would be the last anyone would ever see of me. Dave went to go talk to try to get a ride back to the hotel from a tree person, and you know, I'm on the back of a milk crate or a milk carton. That's you know? it. That's, he's covered in glow sticks, and yeah. he's gone for good. <laughs> he's yeah. done. He's left us. He's gone to Ohio. Floating in the quarry. Oh, no. We've lost Dave DeMarco. No, that's not right. possible. Do you remember the first time we met? Well, I'll tell you what I think was the first time we met. You can tell me if that was the actual first time. Okay. Um, I'm going to say an Oh Yeah Sure gig at Pedonia Station about seven, eight years ago. Nine years ago, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think that's right. So, so to give a little history, my ex-husband, Dave Dowling, was in a band, Oh Yeah Sure, and Dave was in it, Dave DeMarco, Vince, Drew. Yep. 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 And uh, so it was two double Ds. Two double Ds. Which was, I mean, when when, when Drew said, oh, Dave, da-, I'm like, wait, hold on. I, I know this guy. Uh-uh, no double Ds in this band. I, I got the double D. And he's like, and, and he goes by double D. I'm like, oh, unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> so, no. I, th- I a, think I saw you. He was a wonderful addition to the band. Oh, he's awesome. He's an amazing yeah. guitarist. Amazing. And and I saw you, and I go, what? what? It's like it's like the light came from behind you. And it's like, what is this? It was a light it's, behind me. It was a light behind you. <laughs> Dude, I think you had your hair down. I think you were barefoot. Probably. And I'm like, this is just, who is this character? This is great. In Jesus mode. I think he was in full-blown Jesus mode. So Jewish girl was meeting Jesus. It was, it was like, ah, right? Amazing. Um, and I just remember watching you guys, and you guys were really good. And I just remember how talented you were. And then flash forward to when Klug, John Klug on 100.7 The Bay, said to me, hey, I need somebody. I need a guy. Remember this? Oh, I for need the, a uh, guy for the, for the song, right, right, right. To do Steeler Suck It. <laughs> suck. And I go, what do you want to do? He said, I need a guy to sing this Steeler Suck It song. I've got to have a guy. And I go, think of myself. I've got the guy. I've got the guy. And I called you. I've got the song. And I said, I think that can you do this? And you were like, yeah. And this thing like went semi-viral. I mean, people were like, yeah, because at the time, I mean, this is when the Ravens went into the Super Bowl. Right, right. And we hate the Steelers. Well, I should back up from that. (laughs) Many Baltimore people dislike the Steelers. I'm, you know, impartial because I'm not a huge football fan. But anyway, we had you do it. It was fantastic. Should have found that. I should have found it's that. actually kind of good that you didn't because two thirds of Crack the Sky are Steelers fans because that's where they come Ooh. from. So that might be grounds for expulsion. Uh oh. They found out that I was well, party. We to that. love Crack the Sky, but I can't help it that we're Baltimore bred. Yeah. So you know they you. have to they have to accept that we bleed purple here. Right. They right. can they can bleed their yellow and black, and that's okay. We're accepting of that. Absolutely. In, on this show, we love all. All colors, all creeds, all towels. Yes. All tree people. We are in for all. We are in for all. So, um, how did you actually end up in Crack the Sky? Like, what was, like, the main story that got you in in that door? Well, normally when I tell this story, I, it's 
it's I always have to give the condensed version of it since we have virtually no time constraints here. I'll tell the whole story. Okay. Please. All right. So I was doing a fill-in with a band um, called The New Romance. 80s. I know them well. Yeah. Yep. Great band. And there was a guy who came up and sat in with the band, did a song on guitar or something. So after the show, he comes up and at, when we were packing up, loading out, and guy Mike Peters was the guy's name. Hi, Mike. You're listening. Hey, Mike. And he, uh, we just started talking while I'm packing up and going on and on and on. Talk about a half an hour. He splits. And about a week or two later, I'm on Facebook. And I never have my I am thing on, that chat thing on Facebook. I hardly ever have it on. For whatever reason, I had it on You're this one night. You're a smart man. Yeah. And ding. He goes, hey, man. If you remember me, we met at the New Romance gig a couple weeks ago. Um Crack the Sky is a friend of mine is helping Crack the Sky find a, ba- a new bass player. I thought I'd see if it was something you have an interest in. I was like, Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, long story short, he uh, puts me in touch with the, the gal who is helping Crack the Sky find a bass player. And she's kind of like interviewing me and putting me through all this. And so I had to go to Florida and I'm back and forth and all this. Oops. And uh, finally, it was like the, the, it was getting to be a somewhat protracted affair, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to call Glenn Workman. I had known Glenn from Glenn and Bob from a studio session that I did with them about 10 years prior to this. Let me just email Glenn and see what's going on here, because there was something about it that was just kind of like, this is taking too long. What's you know? Got in touch with Glenn. Hey, Glenn, I heard you guys are looking for a bass player. Is this true? And if it is, I'm interested. And he gets back to me, and he goes, yep. Yeah, we're looking, and funny, you were on the list of people we were going to call. So, nice. so that that was uh, so. Th- basically, we got together twice after that. We had a couple jams with various groupings of the band, and, uh, and that was it. And then, and then you just you started right away, right with rehearsals. You had to rehearse with them for like how long do you have to rehearse before you hit the stage with them to well, make sure that you've <clears> got it all down. I think that I, I officially joined the band on St. Patty's Day, 2011. And I think my first show with them was April 22nd at Club 66. And then we played April 23rd at Ramshead Live. So about a month. But we rehearsed three, four times maybe. Oh, I don't, I don't wow. Think, I don't think it was a ton. Because we, we had run through... A bunch of the songs during the first two times we get that we got together just to jam. Yeah. So there was there was a bunch of songs that I already knew, like I already knew "Nuclear Apathy" and "Hold On" and "Surf Sea." All the hits, I already had known those because in college, "Crack the Sky" was like a big band. So we would all sit in the dorms and learn "Crack the Sky" tunes. So I already knew a bunch of them, um, and it was just a couple of the songs that they had, the, some of the deeper cuts that they were doing, that I had to learn. And a little bit of the newer material as right. well, and that was it. So it, yeah, the rehearsal process was not not that big of a deal, from what I remember. And so that first time that you took the stage with them, you were pretty comfortable. Yeah. Any, any hiccups? Any stories from oh, that, or is it like smooth? Uh, I, I mean, relatively smooth. I, I I'm, I'm I'm sure I made mistakes. I know I had some clams. I mean, I still have clams. Um. Which is normal, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, but, you can't have you can't have a perfect show every single time. Although I will say, well, you want one, man. We've had some ones that were pretty damn close. We uh, 
up in we played up in Sellersville, Pennsylvania about two weeks ago. And the entire band, it was just this south of flawless. <laughs> it was a really, really, really good show. So you know after a show, when you come together afterwards and you all have that feeling, you're like, all right, this one was good. Oh, yeah. Whereas opposed to like maybe another one where one of the band members wasn't feeling it or, I mean, can you notice if somebody has an off performance or are sure. you kind of in your zone when you're up there? We're always our own worst critic. So someone will come off stage and maybe say, I didn't have a great night. And whoever says that, we're always like, really? I heard a couple things, but I didn't think it was that bad. And oh yeah, no, I was off here, I was off here, I was off there. And and, and I think some of these things are always going to be more we're going to be more sensitive to our own to our own clams than yeah. the crowd or certainly the other bandmates are. Um so it's never whenever someone is saying that they had this horrible night, not that the horrible is the right word, but an off night. I don't think we're ever going, "Yeah, buddy, I'm with you on that, man. I was here and all that," you know. We're never it's that never happens. Right. So um but yeah, I, I mean, like I had, geez, uh, our last show was Mountain Branch. And I, right out of the gate, had a couple of like dumb, really stupid mistakes. Really dumb. Nothing huge, but just like the kind of thing where you go, and, you know, if you, anyone who plays know that, you know, you're, you're playing and you, you watch your finger go someplace where it wasn't supposed to go. And in slow motion, you're going, no, don't <laughs> do that. Stop. Back there, <laughs> and it's, and your and your hands going. Mm-mm, mm-mm, I'm going. I'm going for it. So I had a couple of those right out of the gate, and of course that blows your. You know, you're going ah shit. So, uh, but you know, nothing horrible. Nothing. No train wrecks. Actually, there was one train wreck. Yeah, we did have a train. Do wreck. tell. Um, we want to know all about the train wreck. Yeah, I don't. God, I, I think it was in Hot Razors. Somebody miscued somebody else, and we all heard it, and we all kind of just went, uh-oh. And everybody derailed for, it, fe- it feels like an eternity when it's happening. In reality, sure. it was probably about seven seconds. And then we, then we all came, and then it all came back together, and everything was fine. You just, so. just re- takes a few seconds, you reconnect, and then go about it. And it always had, you know, we what happened? We do a good bit of improv in the show, so it, if it's going to happen, it's usually going to happen there. And yeah. and this band, crack this guy, we don't we don't ever train wreck, but except for that little seven second, you know. which I'm sure nobody in that audience was too honed in on. Even the ones that notice it go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, like that's part of the live experience. You know, you 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 get you get that with your ticket. You get the this could happen. Yep. And you take it Anything all. Anything goes. Yeah, and it could. You could see brilliance, and you could see us being human beings. So, you saw us for seven seconds. You saw six very human individuals. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about when you have a gig, and you're out of town. We're, you know, when when I say out of town, we're based in Baltimore. So when you're in a in a venue that's outside of Maryland. Do you feel different in the sense that since we get so much love here in state, do you feel as much love out of state or do you just, do you just 
notice a difference or is it completely the same? It doesn't matter. We get treated with the same amount of respect and courtesy no matter where we go. Um, the venues that we play tend to be a little bit higher echelon venues in general, whether it's here or elsewhere. So when you're dealing with a venue at that level, yeah, there's a certain level of courtesy. I'm, they treat everybody well. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's just us. The difference is when we're playing in Baltimore, we still get that same love and respect and you know level of professionalism um, from the staff and everything. But yeah, we it's a little different here because of the love and because of the affinity that everyone has for this band here. Whereas when we go play somewhere else, they don't have maybe that personal connection with the band. They just know that we're coming in and we're going to, they know from the ticket sales, they know it's going to be a really good night. And, you know, we're lucky if, if someone has checked out the music to hear what we sound like, but, um, there, everybody's very cool and professional and nice. And, and, uh, you know, I, the place we played up in Pennsylvania last week, Sellersville Theater, you just could not ask for a better, more courteous, well-trained staff from the top all the way down. Um, it's why it's it's such a joy to play places like that that really have it together. That, like, makes a difference, right? When you, when you get to a venue, you check in, you unpack your stuff, you're backstage, you're hanging out. You get treated really well. And does it kind of set the tone for how you take the stage that night. I mean, sure. have you ever had an issue where you're like, you know, I just am not feeling it. Staff here is kind of crappy or we just, we're not feeling it. And then you're in a different frame of mind or do you kind of go to a different zone and get yourself together to get on that stage? I mean, everybody has bad days, but I'm, ter- I'm talking in terms of like venue. Do you feel like there's sometimes there's venues where you take the stage and you're like, because of the experience that we've had here at this venue, we're like, we are raring to go. We are feeling hot right now. Sometimes you're like, hmm. Never with Crack the Sky because every every venue that we play treats us as well as anyone could ever hope to. I, I wish everyone who plays music could get treated by a venue the way that Crack the Sky gets treated. So, no, we always, it's, it's very positive for us when we play because we go into it remembering how well we were treated the last time we were here and our expectations for the follow-up is all, are always met. Yeah. So, so we never have that, that particular issue. On the local scene with bars, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, if there was a bad experience, sure, we're going to remember that going into, into uh, the next time. I mean, depending on how bad the experience was, there may not be a next time. We may have we may have uh, terminated our affiliation with that particular venue. Yes. Um, and again, I'm not talking about Crack the Sky at this point. I'm talking about... With any my, band that you're playing my with. My bar band right. stuff, yeah. Um, and likewise, if it was a great night and if it's a place that we historically have great nights, then sure, we go into it going, yeah, this is going to be great. We love playing this place. You're it's, like pumped up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always something good that happens It here. kind of like lifts the energy. When you feel good energy and good juju coming from people it kind of it brings that energy level up like when i sit next to mike it's funny you have that effect on me as well I, that's what i was saying mm-hmm. right i think you guys need to get a room no no <laughs> <laughs> there's one right over there um but when so set it up for us when when you guys go out on tour or you do shows in different states or wherever even here in baltimore like let's say you're at pier six i know you're doing wounded warriors in the fall 
let's let's set that up for people. Sure. Talk. I mean, this is the third, third, third yep. year. Um, and last year it was with the Ravens. Last two years, the first last two years, two years yeah. yes, with the Ravens, Dave DeMarco band, right? Yep. And Midnight Run. Midnight Run. Practice guy. Yep. But this year. This year, so. Gee, Dave, who do you have coming on with you? Because this was a really interesting announcement. Yeah, who's opening for you? <laughs> who's opening? <laughs> so, from the bottom up, the first two rungs of the ladder stay the same. It's still going to be Midnight Run opening the show, and DDB will be the second band. But now, instead of Crack the Sky headlining, we, we decided that, and I'll, I always preface this when I say we, what I mean is... Uh, the guy who puts this whole show on is Larry Gorin, who is the guitarist from Midnight Run. Right. And he he uh, solicits my opinions on these things. So when I'm saying we, I'm saying I'm giving my opinion, but the the decisions are made by Larry. So we um, we knew that we had to do something different this year because it would be the to go in there with the exact same lineup three years in a row might be stretching the uh the fans tolerance for something like that as much but as let's say let's just say real quick let me not to cut you off but mm -hmm. to, to preface the past two years you did really well i mean pier six was packed for those two shows absolutely did and because of the fact that this is a benefit and we want to make sure that we're still able to give money mm -hmm. to to the to the charities involved we needed to make sure that we didn't just from the fans perspective that it didn't look like we were just resting on our laurels and saying, all right, let's put the same lineup in there again. The same, yeah, everybody's going to come out. Everybody's going to be cool. We didn't want to make that assumption. Would it have been a, still a very good night? I'm sure it would have. But from the fan perspective, you have to give them something different. So the decision was made to look for a national headliner that could be brought in to headline, keep Crack the Sky on the bill, and keep the other two bands. So... Um, Larry found, after looking at a whole bunch of, of potential headliners, the one that made the most sense was to bring Jefferson Starship on board. Right, Jefferson Starship. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's so. a, I like, I, I think it's an interesting ad. I think it's going to be a really cool show. Yeah. Good bill. And it's true. Fans like to have things mixed up, so you're right. You don't want to get stuck in a rut. Right. In, in the same pattern, and you, you know, it's... It, that was an interesting when I saw that I literally said wow I mean the female singer in that band is fantastic yeah unbelievable so um, this is happening in September? this is September 16th yeah okay at Pier 6 in Pier Baltimore 6. and I'm not sure if it's still happening or not but at one point there was a they were doing like a two for one ticket giveaway so Really? Uh, if you don't have your tickets yet, you might want to look into that because um, that's quite a deal, two for one. But uh, we're psyched. We're totally psyched. Um, I opened for Jefferson Airplane a couple of years ago, and it was essentially the same band with one or two people different. And uh, people loved it. The crowd, they, they drew a great crowd, and people really loved it. So uh, I think it's going to go over. I think it's a good fit with Crack the Sky. Certainly. Oh, I think it's an yeah. amazing fit with Crack the Sky. All those hits. Yes. So, yeah. 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 And it's I think that was like a good thing to do to add somebody to the bill that, like, for instance, I'm like listening to Django on the way over here. 
And I was li- I was actually listening to the Crack the Sky channel. I wanted to get in the groove. There's a Crack the Sky channel? Yes. On? Django. What is Django? I don't even know. It's like a Pandora. Okay. Is it spelled like Django Reinhardt? D-J-N-G-O? J-A-N-G-O. Oh, it's spelled phonetically. Django. Django. Like Django Unchained. But that was also with a D. So. I lo- Yeah. But I, I love that. I, I mean, it, I, I like that they mix it all up, but they put things, you know, when, when you do a mix and you're driving and you're like, I just want to hear, you know, they, they put things together. They put bands together for that, you know, listener. And I think that adding, I mean, this whole bill in September, that the one person buying that one ticket is going to go to that show, watch from start to finish and be a happy customer. The neat thing about this is it's already becoming somewhat of a brand. People who are they're they're like people are getting into almost like collecting the shows. I'll have people come out and say, "Hey, we got our tickets. We wouldn't miss it. We saw the first two. And now, have I had some people say that they were disappointed that Crack the Sky isn't headlining? Yes, because they know they want to hear us play the full set. And I will say this: we are playing a pretty long set for a headliner. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, for, I'm sorry, for an opening act, Crack the Sky. We're doing a pretty long set. So, I don't think anyone's going to walk away too disappointed from that aspect. Um, but there are, like I said, it's it's become a brand where people are, are just excited. Yeah, we went to the previous two. We're going to absolutely go to this one as well. And hopefully these people, as, as long as Wounded Warriors, these concerts keep happening, hopefully people keep coming out. Um, people get excited about the charity. They know that that this is going to help. That's a good one. Our, uh, Can you tell our us a little wo- bit about it? Yeah, it's our, our wounded veterans. Uh, there's a couple of, there's there's the wounded warriors, then there's a couple of other uh, uh, wounded veteran charities that are all, that also are recipients of this. So, you know, people get excited about that with, with good reason. Absolutely. So. Anytime you pair music and a charity together, it makes people very happy because mm-hmm. it feels like they're getting something, giving something, win-win. Right. Right? Right. So tell me about, I'm going to throw it back a little bit. I want to know about the first time you ever picked up a bass. How old were you? Well, the first time I ever, uh, the first time I ever played a bass, I couldn't pick it up. I was maybe three years old. And it was the bass player in my brother's band who has since gone on to become a well-known and respected bass guitar maker to the stars, a guy named Steve Azola. And he had a purple Fender Mustang bass, which was, if you know these, they're shorter scale basses. And it was sitting on the couch in my living room and I walked up to it and I went, thump, 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 thump. <laughs> and I thought, this is awesome. Um, but no, by the time I actually played a bass the first time, I was already a drummer and a keyboard player. So uh, I was 14. And so it would have been a bass that was left at my house. My my house was the band practice house. And I know this will come as a total shock to you, but when I was 14, I was in like three different bands. Imagine <laughs> what? that. Imagine that. Get out. So the the template for this, this. Like this runs through your blood. Seriously. This has been like that is since, the way it is. right? And he just he just keeps going. He's like the energizer bass player. Now, sidebar. Here's what's funny. Yes, all through high school, multiple bands. There was a period where I lived in Boston for about 
close to 10 years. The entire time I lived in Boston, it was always one band at a time. I don't know why. It was always just... And, well, I think I know the main reason is because in Boston, if there was a cover scene up there, I wasn't aware of it. I think it was kind of in the burbs. There were cover bands, but we never went to see them. We never... I wasn't in any of them, and it just wasn't anything that was in on our radar. Um, it was it was very much geared around original bands. Hmm. And when you're in your when 20s... Was, when was this? 90s? Uh, late 80s, 90s. Late 80s. Late 80s and early 90s, yeah. Hmm. So, um, you know, when you're when you're that age and in an original band, it's, you know, no, why would you want to be in multiple bands? You're making that band happen. So it was always just one band at a time. The whole time I lived in Boston, and then pretty much <laughs> upon my arrival back in Maryland, it was like, okay, well, let me go join six bands. <laughs> so, I think it's yeah. interesting, though, because if you think about it, late 80s, early 90s, Everybody wanted to make it, right? But now it's like, you know, the cover bands, because they want to cover the good stuff. Yeah. I mean, that was, we had some great music back there in the 80s and 90s, so the people want to cover it, and it's fun to play. Whereas now, what do you think about the music now? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Here, oh, no! Yeah. Here we go! In one way, I'm not even qualified to answer, because I am... Right largely unaware of a lot of it I have kind of just tuned out to, to a good bit of it um, you know the current bands that I that I know well and they're not and they're bands that have been like around but they're just still current you know Mastodon Queens of the Stone Age Muse yeah um, and there's probably a handful of other small handful of other current bands that I listen to I get turned on to stuff via my students and they'll play something like, wow, this is really cool. I never would have heard of this. But I, and this is to my own, you know, this is my own fault. I don't go out of my way to seek out new music the way I used to. Um, Wait just, until your daughter gets a few years older. Yeah. yeah. You have a three-year-old, yep. Lydia. Yep. So you were just telling me how you can teach her a chord, right? She'll strum it. She'll get it perfect, right? Yeah, well, I, I made She's it... like the ear. With guitar, I made it easier for her because I took the guitar and I, I tuned it to an open tuning, which means that you can strum the guitar and it will sound like a pleasing chord without having to do anything with your left hand to fret it. Because normally if you take a guitar in standard tuning and strum it, it's not going to sound that great. Um, so I like an old blues man, the old blues guys would tune their guitars to open tuning. So I did one of those for Lydia and put it in her lap. And she starts strumming and she made up this song, which I'll sing for you now. She's going, Lydia's in the front seat. Daddy's in the back seat. Lydia's driving and daddy's waving. And she's singing completely in key with the song. And I'm like, where's my How phone? Cute. I got to get that? this. I got to get this. You know? so cute. <laughs> um, so she's done that. And she's, she likes doing that. But drums are her thing. She, drums. She has got a thing for drums where... Um, I'll teach her these rhythms. Sometimes it's just us sitting at the kitchen table, banging on the table, but then she'll eventually end up downstairs and she'll be playing that rhythm on the kit. So she's she's got a feel for it. She's got the aptitude for rhythm and she thinks it's hysterical. She'll go around the kit and she'll she'll hit each drum in each cymbal and tell you that particular piece's real name. She'll say, this is a ride cymbal. This is a splash cymbal. This is the high tom, that's the bass drum, this is a split, you know, this is a crash. 
That's great. She she's very proud to give you the inventory of Dad's drum kit. You know, so that's awesome. Yeah. I've got I've got Casey and Parker, and Parker loves to play the ukulele. Oh wow! She's into the uke, like really into it. So Dave got her a guitar and got her a uke. She just sits there. She teaches herself some stuff. She actually, she might even started playing a little bit of Pink Floyd. Oh, you laugh now, but she's going to be one of the guests in a few years. No, because that brings up a story. What story is that? Uh, Dave, do you remember me bringing a kid around a couple years ago backstage at the pier? And his dad, like kid was like 12 years old. He's having everybody sign his ticket or whatever. He went home, started shopping on Craigslist, has three or four guitars now, and is sitting in his bedroom working on Floyd. He's one of us now. Yeah. <laughs> Bought his first... Uh, wow. Gibson Jr. And he's sitting at home playing that. He brought it out to a gig uh, with Russ the other day. And Russ' first, first words out of his mouth, like, his strings are all rusty. Russ hands him a set of strings <laughs> and a hand winder and, and off he goes. But oh, that's cool. It was, uh, he, he, you know, he's still looking down and stopping and checking. And Russ is like, ah, he's 15. He, he ain't going to stick with it. And I called Joe, Jojo a couple weeks later or a couple days later. He goes, He's up there. He's just at it, man. As I told him, I said, if you love it, don't give up. Right. Just keep at it. Right. And JoJo's like, can can he come out to rehearsal one time and meet Chris? I said, give him some time and let him get be able to get through a song and look up from the fret every once in a while and be able to make eye contact with you and keep going. Right. Give him yeah. get him, get him some time. And by the time he's 30, you'll know a couple songs. <laughs> but it sounds like he's already, he's been infected. Yep. He, he's yep. already, yeah. Yep, 15 and, Anyone... and learning Floyd on his own. There you go. Nice. Yep. Well, and imagine, I mean, if you add that you have a musical parent, I mean, you're bound to pick up a little something. She's, I mean, yeah. well, let me go back to that. I should probably take that back. So my dad, my dad was a bass player in the Continental Rockers back in the 60s. Right. I can't play guitar to save my life. But I did play saxophone. I did play piano okay. My grandmother was a teacher at Peabody piano teacher oh yeah so i learned a little bit so i think it's all of what you you expose your kids to what years was she at peabody oh shit i have no idea probably well before i was there oh but, gosh yeah, yeah probably okay probably okay yeah early on okay. she had an amazing ear and could play you tell her something she'll play it it's great wow so i was lucky that i was exposed to all sorts of stuff when i was a kid and I try my hardest to expose my kids. And then they come home. With this crap. Crap. <laughs> I go, so I take them to meet Frankie Valley. I take them to the Beach Boys. First, they're like, we don't want to go to the Beach Boys, Mom. Because nobody knows them. Everybody knows the Beach Boys. Nobody in the fourth grade knows the Beach Boys. Right. Like, are you serious? Horrible Are parents. you serious? What kind of parents right don't raise their kids on decent music? What's the matter with I, I take them to Frankie Valley. They were excited. They liked the show. They're exposed, you know, to great music. Right. I take them to, I've taken them to see Rob Fahey before. They've seen you before. I'd, like, you know, Justin Bieber, he's banned from the car. I will not play that kid in my uh -huh. car. <laughs> so it's great now. They're 10. I'm just telling you this because this is what you have to look forward to. Yeah. They started out getting exposed to stuff at an early age 
right off the bat. I mean, I was playing them classical when they were newborns. And then uh, they go to school and they get influenced with their friends. Like, we need to listen to the current cool music until they get in mom's car and mom's like, oh, hell no. We are just, we're putting on the classics, right? I, I, I remember this when I was a kid. This is exactly how I grew up. Yeah. yeah. But see, when I grew up and my parents put stuff on and my mom was like, this is my music, I actually liked it. Uh-huh. I still listen to my mother's music. Me too. Mm-hmm. They don't think I'm that cool. <laughs> so I'm trying. When my daughter was 10, she was asking for Queen, Boston, Kiss, Sticks. She was still listening to the stuff the kids at school were listening to, but she was asking me for the good stuff. Well, now they're I going around and they're starting to hum <clears throat> classic rock songs around the house. And I'm going, oh, I, might, <laughs> I may have broken through, man. There you go. This is good. That's awesome. Lydia's favorite music that I'm aware of, she likes Crack the Sky. Go figure. Of course. It's she Daddy's likes, band. She, she hears that a good bit. Um, and mostly through videos, though. She discovered my YouTube channel and there's a whole bunch of live videos so she'll ask to put that on and and she'll watch some videos but other than that she loves 70s funk so for a long time her favorite song was Boogie Oogie Oogie nice <laughs> yeah which was great and she loved and I especially when she saw the video and there was a you know the the female bass player in the band and she just thought that was awesome because Lydia has her own bass as well a real functioning kid size pink Fender P bass as she should yeah um Although bass is not, like I said, drums is kind of her thing. But, uh, yeah, she loves 70s funk. Um, she'll I ask. like this kid a lot. Yeah. I mean, I really like this kid a lot. Yeah. Who doesn't like 70s funk? Right. I know. I know. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So you're with seven projects now. <laughs> seven, right? That was a guess. And it, he it, still had time for us. Isn't that nice? Thanks. It works. on a board. It worked. We appreciate it's, it. It worked out tonight. Um, so seven projects. Has there ever been well, let's let's well can you name your favorite? <sighs> I, was, let's just, I was afraid. Not, you were wait, gonna... wait, we're not gonna say favorite. We're gonna say, what do you enjoy the most? Like when you take the stage and you're are you, you enjoy doing your own stuff? What songs like do you enjoy playing? the most well I can answer the first question my favorite band that I have ever been a part of is Crack the Sky okay hands down that's all there is to it Crack the Sky is the pinnacle of what I've done musically so far having said that there have been a bunch of other bands that I have absolutely adored and they were bands like Crack the Sky that they were on my list that I would say man someday if I could get into this band how cool would that be knowing or at least believing there's no way I'm ever going to end up in this band and again crack the sky how do you how do you end up in that band you don't you don't get into that band that's a club that yeah it's a club you know that's there how do, I was I've listened to them since I was seven years old you know if so you're not going to get into that band just forget about it they're a little older than you they've been doing this longer you're not going to be in this band Dave don't even you know don't even fantasize about that. Well, here we are. And there have been a couple other bands that were like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebel Amish Radio. I don't know if you remember them. Sure. So that was a band that I was fortunate to get in sort of towards the end of that band's life cycle. But um, 
a band that I we used to gig with them all the time in my other one of my other bands and got to know them and I just loved the music and I thought God if I could get into this band someday and it happens I know on my birthday no less so um, there was another band called Cloudbreak remember I well, remember well, well Drew and Vince right I right. remember Cloudbreak another band that while I was in Rebel Amish Radio I see Cloudbreak my first my first Rebel Amish Radio gig was playing with Cloudbreak at Hard Rock Cafe and I'm like who the hell are I, I had heard of them but I was like Jesus these guys are freaking great and I was God someday man it'd be so cool to be in that band and ended up in that band Again, towards the end of its life cycle. But I think he just needs to keep saying, I'm never going to get in that band if he really wants to get in the right. band, and then he's going to get into the band. Yeah, I'll never be in Led Zeppelin. I'll never be in Led Zeppelin. He needs to get down on himself about that, and then he's just going to, poof, get in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Got to pick the ones that are still working, buddy. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> never Never was one, another one, too. That was a band that uh, I, I didn't even become aware of until way later, because when they started, I was living in Boston, and when I came back home, I think by the time I'd come back home, they were they had broken up or something. But I didn't even really become aware of them until the late 90s. And from the first time I went out and saw them and met the guys, like, Jesus, what a great band. All this Zeppelin, God, how cool would it be in that band? Yeah. Poof. <laughs> it happens. Um, we have a pattern here. <laughs> I'm seeing it. I, see I it. think so. Uh, bigger, better, faster, more. If you remember those guys, you, you, I think I do remember those guys. I mean, I remember so many bands that you've played with. Well, now you know my my other band I'm in now, the Regal Beagles, right? The I love yacht the rock Regal band. Beagles, yeah. Well, that's the nucleus of that band was Bigger, Better, Faster, More, and that was a band that somehow I, I don't I guess I saw them or something and thought, God, this would be a great band to get into, and then it <laughs> happens. So I have been very fortunate to get into. The, you should that, play bass for Boston. <laughs> Well, just don't take any pictures. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, I tried to get into that band as a singer. Did I ever tell you that story? Uh-uh. Okay, here's a good story for you. This true, you know, sort of backstage stuff. So when I was living in Boston, I was working at a music store that was kind of the music store where everybody shops. It was the, you know, the, the, the cool store. Yeah. And one of the guys who used to come in was a guitar player named Gary Peel, who is the second guitar player. Yeah. 17 years or something like that in Boston and was Mm -hmm. previously Sammy Hagar Mm -hmm. and all that well he used to come in all the time and got to know him and um, I think at this time Boston had been on hiatus and there was a band called RTZ which was a Boston spinoff band I think Brad Delp was in it yes Barry Gaudreau was in Mm -hmm. it okay well those guys come used to come into the store all the time too and I knew that there was you know that band was doing really well and I was hearing rumors that Boston was going to try to kick it back up so one day I just flat out asked Gary hey man is there any way I could possibly come and audition as a singer for for you guys and at the time I I had the voice where I could sing really really super high and the Brad Delp stuff wasn't really a stretch for me um, not saying that I'm in any way the same caliber of singer that Brad Delp was, but at least the range way I could hit those notes. You can't hit those notes now? It's a little tough. We're going to have you do it right it's now. It's a little tough. Right yeah. now. Right now. It ain't, it ain't <laughs> we can always try. And so uh, I was you know, trying to just kind of warm up Gary to see if I could get an audition. And at that time he said, we think we've got the guy we're looking for. But So I was trying. That would have been, been really cool. I heard Journey's fighting. Yeah, they are. They're having a little arguing. Yep. Maybe you can squeeze in there. And and the base is politics. <laughs> is that really and what it's religion. about? And oh. religion. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah. Wow. We're going to take a little break. Okay. And when we come back, you going to play a little for us? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'll thump something out. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's break it up for a minute. <laughs> it's my darling Parker. Ten year old with an attitude. Actually, you, actually you just blew it. That was, that was Casey. Yep. Oh, oh wow. I intentionally did not name them but numbered them and remembered. Should have known that. Sorry, girls. Hey, to my credit, my cans were half off my ears. Okay. We'll give you that. When you have two of them that like semi sound the same. Would you like another test? Sure. <laughs> I'm with the band, okay? That one's Casey. <laughs> there you go. Definitely. My little diva with a tood, dude. Well, you they built the diva into those both of those dudes. It, 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 I'm with the band, okay? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Backstage Pass with Meredith Marks. We've been hanging out with bass god, Baltimore bass god, Dave DeMarco. With Crack the Sky, you gotta find several an, species and Dave DeMarco band. You gotta find another thing to go after bass. Bass player, not God. Baltimore bass beast. Beast. Okay, I'll take beast. All right, that's because <laughs> you have the main. Exactly. That's that's the only reason I'm gonna accept that. Okay, he is the Baltimore bass beast officially. <laughs> What was my uh, we uh, back in the Kirk McEwen band days? I had a, um, oh, what was the? He had a, he had a term for me that was funny. Um, of course he did. <laughs> oh God, what was it? I can't remember. Baltimore. Get Kirk on the phone. Base beastie. <laughs> what the hell was his name? You want me to? Hello, Kirkster. What the hell was his name? We're all friends. Oh, that's it was just oh, yeah. Good. That's it. Bass whore. That's what it was. He just called me the bass whore. <laughs> it's a seven bands, you know. Actually, you want to know something? Around. Listen to this, and I'm not saying this to brag. At the time that I was in his band, I was in twelve bands. <laughs> See, so this is like nothing to him because he's just in seven whore. now. And I was also doing at that time. I was doing about twenty gigs a month back then. Now, I mean, I'm down to a paltry ten gigs a month, but I was gigging a lot. Okay, so let's ask this question. You'll know clearly if you have groupies, because they will follow you band mm. to band. Do you have any groupies or band aids? Band aids. Um. Any Dave DeMarco? Well, hoes. All right, in the traditional sense that you mean the word, no, I don't. I do not have those. There have been a couple, and... Heather? <laughs> Lauren? Come out. You can come out now. We've had them hidden in a closet. Oh, okay. Um, and they would be Heather and Lauren. Yes, they absolutely girls. Yeah. Amber? They're Stephanie? In the, they're in the shed with Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> I told you not to lock the door. They wouldn't know how to get out anyway. 
So Doesn't now, listen to me. Well, now what I have is I have like couples, like totally just music, like man and wife kind of couples. Oh. Not no. So we not were thinking that. the other. Okay. No no no. Okay. No people who are there purely for the music, and God bless tree them. Tree people couples. Tree people. <laughs> <laughs> They're swingers. Uh, really? No, I'm kidding. Oh, swingers tree. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No. Watch these bass players. They're also very funny guys. Oh, just stop it and leave. Hey. <laughs> really oh. branching out here. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so so I mean, so you don't see like. You don't have like the same people, but but well, so okay. Yeah. So you have the couples that follow you. Yeah, there are people from people, like, right? Okay, like people who are who they call themselves groupies, but there's no salacious meaning to it at all. It's purely just they're there for the music, and God bless. That's the real reason to be there. I wouldn't want them there for any other reason. Right. So um, yeah, and some of these wonderful people who come out gig to gig, band to band, week after week. Um, you know who you are, and I'm so thankful for for it's them. It's like because... die hard every week, following, and you have to a lot like, of them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe people actually out there. I'm curious. Do you guys have like a Dave DeMarco Google Calendar? Maybe they have each event listed because <clears throat> it's hard to keep up with them. Or they just go to my website, which is davedemarco.com. That's right. Hey. Sh- and if you want something more specific, you can go to DaveDemarcoBand.com. That's just Ooh. DDB stuff. But if you want the full, ah. all-inclusive calendar with all of the bands, then it would just be DaveDemarco.com. Have you ever fucked up? I beg your pardon? Have you ever <laughs> Have you ever fucked up? I mean, have you ever been on stage and you're like, oh, crap, that's the wrong band. I am playing and it's um, like, it's, it's, I'm tired I am sleep deprived. There was seven I seconds have a three last year week. Three-year-old. I'm like I'm on bandwidth. You know, I'm on the stage with this band, and then all of a sudden it's like I'm playing Regal Beagles, but I'm on with Crack the Sky or the Dave DeMarco band. I'm like, which band? You look over and you're like, wait, hold on, I'm with the wrong people. Have and I get anna- confused? Have I announced the wrong band on stage? Yeah, I've, I've done that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for coming out. We're oh yeah sure. No, we're not. Um, we're huh. something. Yeah. So, yeah, I've done that, but I've never been like, I'm supposed to be playing Stranglehold and instead I'm playing Cuts You Up by Peter Murphy or something, you know, no, I haven't done that. I love when you do Stranglehold, by the way. I do too. It's a fun song. I always enjoy when you do that. And this would be a great opportunity to give some props to the DDB band, Sam White on guitar, who is a true super bisto of a guitarist and uh, God save us, John Davis. Those guys. Those guys, man. Mm. Hey, John Davis. John is currently Facebookless. He has... I was wondering. I haven't heard from him lately. He has abdicated his Facebook throne. He is... Uh, He's the smartest man alive. I know. Because it is the devil. It is. But it also like keeps people connected. It's well, like the Sour Patch Kid. Right? I'm not following that one. Sour Patch Kid. It means mm-hmm. well, but it'll cut off your ponytail. Oh, okay. okay. Sour Patch Kid. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's good. It's like a... Hey, listen, you know, two of my best gigs ever, Crack the Sky and Several Species, would not have happened with it. Well, the Crack the Sky probably would have happened because, like, Glenn said I was on his list of people to call. So I, I'm going to assume that probably would have, hopefully, still have happened. Um, but several species. That's another one. I got that from Facebook. 
See? I'm on Facebook one night, sitting on the couch, reading the news feed. Bob Bartram posts, hey, I'm leaving several species. Hi, Bobby B. And <laughs> I looked over at my uh, the person I was sitting with, and I said, watch this, I'm going to try to get another band. <laughs> <laughs> I texted, I, I texted, or I sent, sent Bob a message. I said, hey, Bob, not to be a total vulture, but any chance I could, you know, possibly come in and score this one? And he was like, totally, dude. I so knew you were going to, you know, yes, here, call George. And, you know, so, um, yeah, that was that was one that, yeah, that, that's, that's another one I should have added to the list of, gee, wouldn't it be great to be in this band someday? I had never seen several species at all. But I was aware of them and knew that they were out doing a great thing and just going, God, how awesome would it be to be playing all this deep cut Pink Floyd all night long? I was like, God, that would, but again, you go, yeah. that will never happen because <laughs> never happen. these, these, that core group of people have been together for so long and I'm not going to get in that band. There you go. You know, I saw and, Species with Bartram. And this guy just slid right in. I was, cause I, I watched Bob for like two or three years doing it. Uh-huh. And when he's amazing, but, but and then he came in and he just he fell right into place. It was perfect. Yeah, it's just one has hair and one does not. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's both, basically it. Both <laughs> both incredibly talented people. Bob wouldn't go barefoot. One has hair, and one does not. <laughs> it's really, amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's really the only difference. Really, that's really. I mean, it, it really truly. It is. Well, Bob plays left-handed. I play right-handed. He what? He plays left-handed bass. He does. I think so. Maybe. Doesn't he? In the, in the pictures, his bass is always going the other direction. Oh, he must use an iPhone when he takes his Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's got everything backwards. Shelfie! <laughs> I'm super so. talented. So, on, an, on another note, Cajun Kelly is having a colonoscopy tomorrow. Oh, well. And he posted that... Um... <laughs> Hope everything comes out all right. <laughs> So supposedly he's he's listening All and, night. and watch maybe watching this or listening while he's you know we're trying to entertain him here while he's on the hopper yeah he's on the hopper huh? and I told him I, I want to just tell my colonoscopy story really quickly because I said if you get discouraged I want you to think these words Meredith Marks was on the air I can do this <laughs> I can do this I was super woman I was superwoman man I did the prep did my biz woke up the next morning went on the air for my morning shift went in for my procedure after my procedure came back home went back on the air that afternoon damn uh, she had twins she can do anything yeah right I am supermom superwoman yes I am so um, what is your all-time favorite Crack the Sky song to do? Like, each time you get up on stage, it's like it races through your core. It's going to sound horrible, but they all are. They, they re I really love every song in the set list, but I know that's not the answer you want, so I will say Mind Baby. Mind Baby, nice. Mind Baby is... That's another song that just from the get-go, it is like this bass juggernaut of a tune it just never stops and it's got all these cool wacky parts in it and i live for that stuff <laughs> um 
So yeah, that's what, and it's it's paced. We usually have it at just past the halfway point in the show. It's a nice place for it to be in the show, and I always look forward to it. And then, because I then once that's over, you kind of know what's coming after that, and it's a it's a big, it's kind of like a. I know I'm talking in real obtuse terms here. It's it's kind of like you know that the big stuff is is coming now because mm-hmm. now we're going to get into the big medley. There's going to be a bunch of real heavy hitters, and it's going to be nonstop for probably about 25 minutes. The crack wave. Yeah. Um, right? It's totally a crack wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I like how so many Crack the Sky songs is like that roller coaster of emotion where you're like, this is totally chill, man. I could totally just sit here and smoke and relax. And then you're like, boom, in your face. Mm-hmm. Let's rock it out. I, I, I love that. I love that. My, my all-time favorite's Ice. Ice is great, too. And again, it's, it's so hard to pick one. I love Ice. We have that whole middle section, Glenn's keyboard solo. We get to do this neat little improv. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you can't, I love, I love all. You yeah, know, the right, live version of Ice is always, yeah, always fresh and new. Minus flashlight. Cool. Flashlight is yeah. That must be fun to play. It super is. My God. That, nuclear apathy. That one's just all. I mean, that's from start to finish. Like, oh, you know, it's funny. I'm like listening, and I'm like, okay, it's like an eight minute song, and all of a sudden it's six minutes in my car. It was like, can't handle it. Cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh no. I was looking for it, and it wouldn't keep playing. So. Nuclear apathy was the one that when I was a kid. There used to be on one of the other radio stations. There was they had a thing called headphones only, mm-hmm. and they would play just you know progressive rock and all this cool like Tuesday nights at ten o'clock. You throw Me. your headphones on and listen to all this crazy stuff. And uh, n- nuclear apathy was something that got played quite a bit. And I just remember thinking, God, this is because that song is like a bulldozer, man. Once that kicks in, you know. Uh, here it comes. So that is a song that when when I'm up on stage, I still, to this day, I look over and I go, <laughs> there's John Palumbo, there's Rick Witkowski, there's Joey D'Amico, man. And just go, man, playing that song with these guys, man, this freaking rocks. It's really, I could, cool. I mean, it's I really ne- cool. I could never get into that band. <laughs> seriously. Seriously, I still think that. Like, what the hell am I doing up on stage with these guys? How the hell did this happen? You know, my dad used to do the sound for Crack the Sky. Oh, did he? Yeah. So when, I, was, I had lunch with him today, and he was like, I haven't seen John Palumbo in like 20 years. So when Stevie Wonder wasn't on tour, he was with... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was one of their first bands, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was He was with... He started out with Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, and then he was doing Moth the Hoople, and he cracked the sky, I think, early 70s. But he did do Stevie Wonder, right? The company did. Maybe early on. Maybe okay. early early on. I bought a piece of Stevie Wonder's tour. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, what piece was that? Can't for the life of me find a damn thing, but I bought a I bought a Crown D75 amplifier from, oh, wow. from Maryland Sound that was on the Stevie Wonder tour. Nice. I have Whitney Houston's microphone, <laughs> and I have LL Cool J's amp. Now, didn't he also, he did Pink Floyd, though. Wasn't he monitors for Pink Floyd? Yes. So, we did all of the Pink Floyd tours, and... I'll never forget. Here's my here's my famous Pink Floyd story. I don't when even I, have to ask for it. You don't have to ask for. It. I'll just I'll just willingly give it up. When um, 
When I brought on several species years ago at Pier 6, I told this story. In 1994, I went to the Division Bell Tour she at was, RFK. She was three. Yeah, something like that. But so I, I was really into Division Bell. Like, I was so into that album. And my dad was like, we're doing the sound. Let's go to RFK. Great. Awesome. Twist my arm around you. It's like probably... <laughs> I think like I was like 15 maybe maybe I was 15 we go backstage hanging out at RFK backstage at the Pink Floyd show there's a whole group of guys were standing there my dad's like hey shaking hands how you doing shaking hands walk away my dad taps me he goes you know who that was I said who he goes it was David Gilmore shut up what <laughs> why didn't you like introduce me because I did he shook his hand. I go, what? Now, wow. when I tell that story, people can relate because when those when when Floyd had their albums out, they were not a present an image present band. Right, right. They were behind the scenes present. They they wanted the music to come forth first. They wanted the art for their albums to make an impact, and that's what we got. It yep. wasn't like they're fa- they weren't out there, out there. Right. So I didn't know what David Gilmore. I wasn't focused when I was fifteen, looking, you know, trying to find what he looked like. Right. I was so soaked into this album um, that like completely changed my life, and I can kick myself because I'm like, but I did meet him, and it was cool for like the second that I did. That's awesome. So that's my story. The after the fact me. Yeah. <laughs> now I hear that you're playing echoes there. Is no, that is that us or is that Floyd? That's you. Is it? Is this, well, actually, it's not you. But it okay. It sounds like is it a Nelson Ledges crowd? Nope. It's not. Okay. There's no crowd. The crowd is quiet on this one. Oh, so it's got to be Ram's head. It is. Okay. Because <clears throat> the sound was so good from the the family that did those videos. Right. From Ram's head. Yeah. Yeah. From the board. So. And we did Species at Pier 6. Yeah. We did Sound. Sound, well, you know. Um, Ryan and his brother have been doing Sound for them for... Ryan and Mickey Beck. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Beck brothers. So I don't know if Ryan will be out. I doubt Ryan will be at the ledges this year. Probably be, probably be Mickey, but I haven't seen Ryan's... Have I, met, have I met Mickey? You've met Ryan. Oh, I know Ryan, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty sure Mick, Mickey was at the ledges last year. Okay. So yeah. Okay. They look like brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty similar. Um. So. Yeah, that was my that was my that was my big my big moment with Floyd. <laughs> it's a lot better than my Pink Floyd story. Do you have a Pink Floyd? story? I don't have one. Oh, <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have I an almost have, I, I have, have an almost either. David Bowie story. All right. My dad and I fly. Um, I was 17, and we fly to Sicily the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. We go to Rome, take a jet down to Sicily. He goes, we're going to go to Sicily, and we're going to go hang out with David Bowie. And I go, okay, right, sure, why not? Fly down there. It's my very first overseas trip. Get to the hotel in Sicily. 
I look at my dad. I go, oh, God, I'm so sick, dude. <laughs> I'm so sick. And call him dude, dad. I said, uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is it. I, I just need to go into my room. May, you know, probably kissed the porcelain god a couple of times and fell asleep because jet lag got me. He goes, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go hang out. <laughs> Leaves me in a hotel room in Sicily, sleeping. I have to sleep off the jet lag. He goes and hangs out with Bowie, and I'm sitting there sick as a dog. Wow. Kick, kick, kick. Mm. Mm-hmm. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Well, that, you can't, that can't happen anymore, ever again. Wow. So sad. So, the, okay, going to that. 2016, 2017 lost so many talented people. Who was the one that hit you hard? Hmm. It started in 2015 when Chris Squire. Yeah. That was the first one I think that really that I was that mm-hmm. of that wave. Yeah. I get a text in the while I'm in the line at the grocery store from one of my students. And I'm like, okay, hold it together, you know. Yeah. And got home and lost it there. Um, that was a big one. He was such a huge influence on me as a bass player. So huge. Um, and then the next one, there was a bunch that were obviously very profound. Bowie was huge. Prince was huge. Um, the one that really gutted me was Keith Emerson from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yeah. Um, that's the music that I most closely identify with of anything next to classical music is as like my music. That was the first music that I listened to as a kid other than Beatles. Um, And that was when I was in the studio of, again, worst place to get that text. I'm in the studio. I'm down at Q in Virginia tracking this guy's record. And the same guy sends me a text. Keith Emerson rest. I'm like, Oh, you're kidding me. Captain of bad news, man. You're kidding me. And that's why I got to keep my head together and get through this session. Um, that was horrible. Just horrible. And then finding out that it was a suicide, that just, that was bad. Um, and then losing Greg Lake. I mean, so two-thirds of that band is now mm-hmm. gone. Um, and recently, I mean, the Cornell thing, I just would not have, I didn't see that coming at all. I mean, yeah, no, you, you go was... and look at the lyrics and okay, but I just. You know, you, you think that these things are, are behind someone, and it's not. And we ne- we're never going to know. We'll, we'll never know. Whatever. Whenever something like that happens, we'll, we just never know what's going. It's, it's that, that post that we see so often on Facebook is so true. You never, know, you never know what hell someone is going through when you look at them. Be kind to everyone because you never know what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So true. They may be smiling, and they may be... But you, you just never know. And sadly, it takes instances like that to really drive that home and make you go, son of a bitch, man. Absolutely. So, Ugh. which one got you the worst? Well, I had just seen Prince. I'm lucky I went to go see him. It was after the riots. Six months. Before he passed? Yeah. That was, yeah, he was. He did a show. After the riots, riots. He, yeah, he came to the chicken box. Yep. I call it the chicken box, Royal Farms Royal Arena. Royal Farms Arena. <laughs> it's the squawk box. Um, And I'm glad that I got to see him. He did, I think he did like six encores. 
Man, he loved himself. He did. That was like, we after like the third or fourth encore, I'm like, really? Wow. But it was amazing. He's... Well, I forgot to play this. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> we left one out. Let me come back on. Let me just, one more outfit change. Come on. Um, so I think that was, that was huge. But I have to say, you know, given when I was born and how I was raised and I, I had a major, uh, deep, deep love for George Michael. That killed me. Wow. I really did. I loved that man. He was my gay boyfriend. I always said it from day one. And he came out with, I mean, every album I just, I loved, absolutely loved. He and Andrew Ridgely in the 80s got me. Um, so that one was, that one was tough. Chris Cornell is tough too. That was out of left field. When it's unexpected, it's always unexpected. It's sad. Um, my brother was just on tour with Greg Allman for his last tour as his tour manager in front of house. And he said that one that one was really tough, too. They kind of, it's a little bit more expected. Yeah. So when you kind of know, when you hear it, and you're like, oh, this person is not doing well, uh, you, know, you get a little nervous, but you have a little bit of warning. I think this is with anybody. I think it's with just people in general family, friends, celebrities, yep. but people feel such a closeness to celebrities because of the music um, and the connection that they feel. So it's it's like people rip your gut out and your heart out when they go because it feels like that music is going. Yeah. And you're not going to get new stuff from that person. That hurts. It hits in a personal place. Mm-hmm. You know, music hits every emotion possible who doesn't love it so you want to play a little something for us we would love to play we would love to hear you it's probably going to sound dark and depressing now that we've talked about all this (laughs) stuff you can play if you're happy and you know it clap your hands we are okay with that do you know how many makeup songs i put with lydia to that i mean you know if your pancakes have the on the floor, pick it up or whatever. I mean, it could be, <laughs> could be anything. We make up that that's frequently used. All right, I'm supposed to grab the other one, right? I always tell the girls, you know, when you hear Adam Levine from Maroon Five, or you hear Frankie Valley, mm-hmm. and the, when they ask, how do the guys get the notes so high? This is very simple. They give themselves wedgies. They fall for it every time. One of my one of the books I read, Lydia, has the squirrels get wedgies, and they have pictures of squirrels with wedgies. It's, it's pretty damn funny. <laughs> Just I'm, picture a squirrel with a wedgie. I'm going to go tomorrow, and I'm going to go look for that book and get that book. The book is called um, Those Darn Squirrels and the Cat Next Door. With wedgies. Write it, it down. Is Don't forget. Damn. Fun. Well, you know, your kids are 10. They're not, they're, they probably aren't going to be amused by it. But my. Um, who said it was for my kids? Oh. <laughs> so, for those listening, you're about to hear something. This is an acoustic bass guitar. So, in case you're wondering what this weird sounding instrument is, that's what it is. And right. it's quite lovely. It's but I forgot there's a video camera. So, you could probably Two see, of it you're seeing it without me having needed to say that. So. <laughs> Now the acoustical stylings 
of Dave DeMarco. See, I told you it was going to sound dark and depressing. That's what we're going to call that. Wow, that's really out of tune in A major. You want it? You need this? No. We're getting a live guitar tuning, bass tuning, right now. song 
it's oh, the Baltimore that. Beast. Beast. Hey. The Beast. <laughs> the Baltimore Beast Beast. Dave DeMarco. Playing happy music. Boy, wasn't that happy. <laughs> so happy. So happy. I could cry. I'm so, <laughs> happy. Tears. I'm in tears wearing. Thank you for that. <sighs> no, no. Thank you. Oh, no. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. No. Um, Cajun, we hope you're doing okay. We hope that got you through. Hopefully that those low frequencies helped pass help things pass through. That was a movement right there. <laughs> that was a movement. It was. That was a movement. We're gonna just name that colonoscopy. We're gonna name that prep. That was dedicated to Cajun Kelly. Prep. Prep. <laughs> it was oh so smooth. <laughs> a few bumps. But oh, so smooth. Oh, that was smooth, yo. Smooth. Oh, man. Dave DeMarco, we thank you, base beast of Baltimore, for gracing us as our first guest on Backstage Pass with Meredith Marks. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's only going to get better. When is the next show? Tomorrow night, I'm playing with the Real Geniuses, but it's a private party and no one can come. Um, the next other show is Saturday in Ohio with several species. And unless you live in Ohio, you probably won't come. The next show it's after a short that, drive, but it's a short drive. <laughs> it's a short six hour drive to Ohio. The next show that people in Baltimore could actually go to. Let's see. Let's consult. The I like manual. when he put his glasses on, he's like all business. He's like, here we <laughs> go. This is it. Hey, here's a good one. Check this out. This is, this is going to be fun. Uh, Mountain Branch, where I just played with Crack the Sky. DDB is going to play there this Friday. I'm sorry. Uh, Next, hold on. Uh, this one's happening. Okay. This is this is the deck party. Oh, okay. Uh, it's happening upstairs. Yeah, I, I, good, the, I love a good deck party. I heard about. Clubhouse. I heard some offer about that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's happening. That is Friday the fifteenth. Mountain Branch up in Joppa, Falston, and then Friday the sixteenth. DDB again at the Old Town Grill in Hampstead. Okay. And then, hey, here's, oh, this is a really good one. You guys are going to dig this. Real Geniuses are playing at Bordy Vineyards up in Hides, which is Baltimore County-ish. That's that way. That way. Mountain Branch is right up the street. Yeah. When is your, when is your deck party up there? Uh, June, Thursday, June 15th. Okay. Yeah. See, at Bordy Vineyards, you can have a little Bordy wine. Vineyard. Yeah. That's an early you show. It's six to nine. Splash a little back. You can enjoy Dave DeMarco. And it's a fun party band. Love it. It's awesome. Will you come back again? Absolutely. Or did we scare you away? No, 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 no. No, absolutely. I'd be happy to come back. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. We've known each other for so long. These long, low, these nine and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. We are both barefoot. We are. Um, All three of us are barefoot. We are. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike. I don't like to exclude you. I always want you to feel it's included. Okay. It's okay. Okay. We didn't talk about anything on Mike's desk. Um, let's, yeah, okay. So a lot goes on here this besides knob. this new, this new venture. I rubbed the knob for good luck. It's lucky knob. Um, and, um, well, we leave the bottle of lube to the jokesters, uh, on Paco's Got Balls podcast. Um, and we still don't know exactly what they used that for. Um, this thing is pretty dry, so I don't assume that they do anything with this. So I, I touch this, That's but off I limits. don't That's I don't off limits for them. them. Okay. Good. This is my knob. Yes. Um, so thank you all for tuning in. 
to our very first podcast of Backstage Pass with Meredith Marks. In two weeks, we have the amazing Paul Crook, who is the guitarist for Meatloaf and was with Sebastian Bach. And. And also played with. Anthrax. We've got some really interesting stories. Um, Hopefully, I will have a guest co-host that evening. He happens to be in the hospital with a slash in his leg. Um, so we'll see if he can, if he gets better and can make it. And um, we may you hear even that guy have, plays guitar. Yes, we may even have one more other amazing, globally known guest in our studio that night. So stay tuned, and, um, and we can't wait to come back and and see you in two weeks. Bye. You've been hanging backstage with Backstage Pass and Meredith Marks. Now get your ass off the tour bus. This is a big-timing comedy production.